Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. Why, 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 why Cheap Astronomy? Yeah, why? And this is Dear Cheap Astronomy, Episode 81, Distant Horizons. There are a lot of curious things about the universe. Probably the most curious thing being that it's here at all. But putting that to one side, there is a lot about its nature that raises questions, particularly amongst the cheap astronomy listenership. For example, Dear Cheap Astronomy, If the Big Bang happened 13.8 billion years ago, how come we can still see it? What we can still see is the cosmic microwave background, the CMB, which was a flash of light which actually occurred about 380,000 years after the Big Bang. For reasons we'll explain, we can't see light from any earlier time than this. So people somewhat poetically refer to the CMB as the echo of the Big Bang. But even then, you might think that eventually there should be some time when all the photons that arose from that single event 13.8 billion years ago should eventually whiz past you, never to be seen again. Well, not so far. Although it certainly is the case that a lot of those photons have whizzed past you already. What we know about the very early universe is mostly hypothetical, since the first observable data comes from when it was already 380,000 years old. What we hypothesise is that in the very first second, the basics of quantum theory appeared, being the quarks and the leptons and the bosons, and the forces that those bosons mediate, for example in the way that photons mediate the electromagnetic force. As the universe continued to expand and cool, at around three minutes, the first nuclei formed from cooled-down quarks, which were mostly hydrogen nuclei, that is, single protons, but also some deuterium, helium, and lithium nuclei. Then, for the next 380,000 years, it was just too darn hot, and free electrons, which are leptons, kept all the photons scattered, meaning they were unable to follow a straight-line path for any distance due to ongoing collisions and deflections. But, at 380,000 years, the universe's temperature dropped below 3,000 Kelvin, which is the ionisation temperature of hydrogen. In other words, it became cool enough for electrons and protons to come together and form the first hydrogen atoms. A similar thing happened with the helium and deuterium and lithium nuclei at slightly different times because of their slightly different ionisation temperatures but it was the hydrogen that made the major contribution towards clearing a path for photons to be able to radiate in straight lines out across the young universe, producing a huge flash of light that we now call the cosmic microwave background. That event happened just once, but it happened everywhere across the universe and at the same time. So, at 380,000 years, photons shot off in all directions within a newly created vacuum carrying data about the last particle that they had interacted with. So every CMB photon we detect today has been travelling through the vacuum of space for 13.8 billion years. 
After that first CMB flash, there weren't a lot of new photons produced until the first stars formed when the universe was 200 million years old. So, with modern technology, the CMB is quite easy to distinguish from other light sources that have subsequently appeared across the universe. To understand why we still keep on seeing it, remember that it happened everywhere and at the same time. So imagine there's a line of flashlights extending away from you in a straight line for a light year or more. Then imagine all those flashlights all flash just once at exactly the same time and then they switch off again. You'll see nearby flashes almost immediately but you'll then keep on seeing progressively distant and dimmer flashes for a year or more. Even though all the flashes you see all happened at the same time and in the past. While we don't know how big the universe is, we do know that our observable part of it had a radius of about 700,000 light years when the CMB flash happened and the observable universe now has a radius of about 47 billion light years as a result of more than 13 billion years of subsequent universal expansion. Consequently, the photons that left those distant sources 700,000 light years away have all this time been travelling through the vacuum of a progressively expanding universe. That expansion means that not only is the light from those distant places dimmer due to normal attenuation over distance, but its wavelength has also been stretched by the expansion of the universe into microwaves. Now carrying a temperature of just 2.7 Kelvin, whereas originally they carried a temperature of about 3,000 Kelvin. So, over the course of your brief lifetime, lots of CMB photons have whizzed past you, never to be seen again, but there's still plenty more coming in from progressively further distances out. Of course, there were lots of CMB photons that never made it this far, because stars or planets or even dust grains got in the way. But of course, the universe is a very big and very empty place. This is the middle bit. One of the curious things about living in a universe that expanded from something much smaller into a volume billions of light years in diameter is that from any point in it, you can still observe its early stages of development. This is partly because we live in space-time meaning that anything you observe at a distance is in your past, but living in an expanding universe of space-time means that you keep on seeing photons from one brief ionisation event in the early universe until the last of those photons are eventually redshifted into invisibility. But that's not all. There are even more curious things to consider. For example, Dear Cheap Astronomy, how can we observe things that are receding from us at faster than the speed of light? So, as is well understood by regular cheap astronomy listeners, and probably other astronomy podcast listeners, the universe's expansion has an additive effect over distance. So, imagining you have points A, B and C stretched out in a line... The expansion of that line gives point B a certain receding velocity relative to point A, while point C relative to point A not only has point B's apparent receding velocity, 
but also additional velocity due to point C also receding from point B. Then point D will have even more apparent velocity, and so on. If you apply this principle at a universal scale, it's inevitable there will eventually be points moving away from point A faster than the speed of light. Of course, they are not speeding through their own local space faster than light. It's just an effect of the cumulative expansion of the universe. The parts of the universe that are receding from Earth at faster than the speed of light all lie past what we call the Hubble Sphere, which has a radius of about 15 billion light-years. 15 billion light-years is well less than the radius of the observable universe, which is about 46 billion light-years. But when we talk about the observable universe, we mean that now, today, we can see photons emitted by objects that are now, today, as far away as 46 billion light-years, although they weren't nearly that far away when they first emitted those photons. This is all about horizons of observation. The particle horizon is the farthest distance from which we can detect photons, now, today, that were emitted by distant particles in the past, so the particle horizon is the radius of the observable universe, 46 billion light-years. Conversely, the cosmic event horizon is the farthest distance from which we will ever detect photons emitted by something now, today, even though it may take billions of years before those photons eventually reach us. So you might think the radius of the cosmic event horizon is the same as the radius of the Hubble sphere. But no. Remember the Hubble sphere, around Earth, is the radius beyond which distant objects are moving away from us faster than light due to the universe's expansion. And that Hubble sphere radius is about 15 billion light-years. But the radius of the cosmic event horizon is actually about 16 billion light-years. So it's only a bit bigger than the Hubble sphere, but there is always a slight margin between the two. Remember that the apparent receding speed of distant objects is just the cumulative effect of the universe's expansion over that distance, so any objects at the Hubble sphere's edge are moving away from us at the speed of light, but they aren't actually moving at the speed of light relative to their local environment. So imagine some objects that are just outside the Hubble sphere that emit photons towards us on Earth. Since those photons travel at the speed of light, they can readily cross from outside the Hubble sphere to inside it, since the objects that emit them aren't receding at anything like the speed of light relative to the Hubble sphere's edge. But this principle only works for objects that are within a billion light-years of the Hubble sphere's edge. Any objects further out may still emit photons towards Earth, but the ongoing expansion of the universe will ensure those photons never reach Earth. That's why we call that 16 billion light-year radius the cosmic event horizon. Complex? Well, yes, but mostly because we struggle with the concept of space-time. Distances here on the surface of the Earth are so small that the transmission of information seems instantaneous, even though it isn't really. Once you look out into the vast universe, 
you need to start adjusting your thinking to accommodate the fact that time is distance and distance is time. They're both just two aspects of the same thing. Space-time. This is the end bit. So, there you go. Because we live in an expanding universe, there are things that move away from us faster than the speed of light, even though they're not actually moving faster than the speed of light themselves. Curious? You bet. But that's it for another episode of Dear Cheap Astronomy. If you want to know what's curious in space science, or you just want to look beyond the next horizon, why not write to cheapastro at gmail.com and we'll go that extra parsec for you. Thanks for listening. Steve Nerlick, Cheap Astronomy.